open in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 40 this morning. Uh, we're going to take a look at the whole chapter. I, I do know that we will have the Lord's Supper here coming up uh, shortly, so uh, with that we're not going to t take a look at everything in detail as we go through this chapter, uh, but there are some things that we should note as we look at it. We'll read verses 1 through 23. And where we are at here is Joseph is in prison. We'll find that out very quickly. Uh, but uh, towards the end of chapter 39, we see that uh, not only is he in prison, but he's in charge of, of prisoners. And, and so that's kind of where we go as, as we go into this Joseph in prison. And we'll see he's in charge of some prisoners, and there's two in particular uh, that will uh, come to the center stage. And so let's read uh, Genesis chapter 40, beginning at verse 1. Sometime after this, the cupbearer of the king of Egypt and his baker committed an offense against their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. And he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard appointed Joseph to be with them, and he attended them. They continued for some time in custody. And one night they both dreamed. The cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, each his own dream, and each dream with its own interpretation. When Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw they were troubled. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in custody in his master's house, Why are your faces downward cast today? They said to him, We have had dreams, and there is no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Please tell them to me. So they chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph and said to him, In my dream there was a vine before me, and on the vine there were three branches. As soon as it budded, its blossoms shot forth, and the clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. Then Joseph said to him, This is its interpretation. The three branches are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office, and you shall place Pharaoh's cup in his hand as formerly when you were his cupbearer. Only remember me when it is well with you, and please do me the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh, and so get me out of this house. For I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also I have done nothing that they should put me into this pit. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was favorable, he said to Joseph, I also had a dream, and there were three cake baskets on my head, and in the uppermost basket there were all sorts of baked food for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating out of it, or out of the basket on my head. And Joseph answered and said, This is its interpretation. The three baskets are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat the flesh from you. On the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, he made a feast for all his servants and lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants. 
He restored the chief cupbearer to his position, and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand, but he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them, yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. The word of the Lord. As we go through the story of Joseph, one of the things that I want us to remember from uh, chapter 39, one of the, the big keys in that was that the Lord was with Joseph. It's the only chapter in, in really the whole narrative of, of Joseph where that just gets repeated time after time. The, the Lord was with Joseph, but we, we want to bring it in as we go along because we can see what the Lord is, is doing at the end of uh, chapter 39 where it read uh, everything that Joseph did, he, he succeeded because the Lord made it succeed. Although the success doesn't really seem obvious, and we mentioned this last week. The success uh, doesn't seem obvious. Joseph started as a son, and that was uh, in the, the land of Canaan with, with uh, his father, Jacob. He started as, as a son, but then became a servant. And finally, at the end of chapter 39, he's a prisoner. And that doesn't really seem like success in our minds. And I mentioned last week, part of that is because of our definition of success. We can say he started as a son and ended as a prisoner, and that seems to be the opposite of success. We'd call that failure, perhaps. Or I could say, well, he started as an arrogant, selfish son, and now he is a selfless God-fearing prisoner, and we say, oh, well, our definition of success is a little different then. And so that's part of the reason we don't necessarily see uh, Joseph as a success at this point. But the other part of that equation is that the success is coming. It might not be obvious at this point, but, but success as the world would put it, that that's still coming. And, and for some people, they might not see that type of success until the next life, even. Many great servants of the Lord die penniless. But there comes that point where, oh, there's the success as we kind of see it in our eyes. And, and so though Joseph isn't really successful on a worldly level, if I can use that, that term, and you know what I mean. Uh, but eventually, things are going to happen. And this is just another step in what's going to happen, in God's plan as he plays out uh, what's going to happen uh, in the world, basically. And as we take this next step along with Joseph, we see these two new acquaintances that he has now that he's in prison. And uh, we see those, these two in verses 1 through 4. And, and it starts with after some time. So uh, there was probably a considerable amount of time between Joseph getting put in prison and now uh, when he meets these two. If you're curious about the timing of everything, uh, back in chapter 37, Joseph was 17 years old when he was sold by his brothers into slavery. Uh, in chapter 41, we're going to see that he's 
13 years old, or I, I'm sorry, he's 30 years old when he gets out of prison and serves Pharaoh. So there's a 13-year gap in there. And so, and he's going to be forgotten for another two years. So we have about 11 years from uh, when Joseph was sold until now. And, and how this plays out, uh, we don't know as far as specific times, but there's a number of years that go by here. So uh, he's in prison for a while, and now uh, a couple of Pharaoh's uh, servants are in, uh, the cupbearer and the baker we see. Now the cupbearer, by the way, I should mention that this is more than a guy who just opens bottles of wine and then dumps it and gives it to the king. Uh, or the pharaoh, the term is interchangeable in this chapter. He's actually a very trusted person because when you think about it, he's the guy that could most easily poison the king if he wanted to. So this is a guy you got to trust. He's giving you your drink. But all, more than that, he's a trusted friend and confidant, really, because he's around the king all the time. And he's hearing all the conversations that happen. And actually, the cupbearer can have a little bit of uh, political influence. He hears everything. He knows what's going on. The king might even ask him for suggestions. What's your idea on this? Uh, we see Nehemiah later in the Old Testament. He's, he's the cupbearer to the king, and it serves him well as he's able to go to Jerusalem and, and help rebuild the temple. So this is a guy that he has some uh, power, if you will, that, He's, he's very uh, favored by Pharaoh, but he did something along with the baker uh, to get thrown in, in jail. Uh, the baker is exactly what you would expect. He's a guy that bakes. But Pharaoh's angry with these guys. In verse 2, we see that. And it's interesting, the Hebrew word for anger here isn't the normal Hebrew word. It's one that's used a, a little rarer. Um, and it means he, he lost his temper. It's almost, he, he flew off the handle. They did something. Maybe it was a practical joke. Who knows? They did something, and he just lost his temper. Throw these guys in prison. So there's where they are. And uh, Pharaoh uh, has them in prison, and Joseph now is put in charge of these guys by the captain of the guard. And then this brings up another question. If you look back in chapter 39, verse 1, Potiphar, who was Joseph's master, whose wife falsely accused Joseph, and that's why Joseph is in prison, Potiphar was at one point the captain of the guard. Is he maybe still the captain of the guard? Perhaps. Uh, that might be one of the reasons why Joseph is in charge of the prisoners. And that's also, I mentioned last week, why one of the reasons uh, why some biblical scholars wonder how much Potiphar really believed his wife. He, he should have killed Joseph. If he really believed his wife, he should have killed Joseph for what he had done. But maybe he just put him into prison and kind of gave him a cushy job in prison because he knows who Joseph is. Perhaps, maybe not, but it's one of those things you can discuss later. But Joseph is in charge now, and the cupbearer and the baker are uh, with him in prison, and they both have these dreams. And we see these dreams in verses 5 through 19. Now, the Egyptians, uh, they shared a belief that was widespread uh, in antiquity. In fact, uh, in some nations still uh, believed that dreams can put you in contact 
with something else, another world, with the gods or perhaps the dead, that there were certain dreams that meant something, and, and that was widespread uh, back in this time. And, and there's two dreams, which is somewhat significant. You'll remember uh, Joseph, when he started, he had two dreams. And in next chapter, we'll see Pharaoh also has two dreams. And the idea of the two dreams, as I mentioned in, in the Hebrew, it means when there's a repeating that it, it's going to happen. This, this will happen. When dreams comes in pairs, uh, it, it means, okay, God is going to do something here. And so uh, the cupbearer and, and the baker that they have both have a dream on the same night, and it's one of those types of dreams. Uh, it causes them concern. They say, oh, something's going to happen, but we don't know what it is. And we don't have anyone around us to tell us what this could possibly mean. And so Joseph, he sees that they're troubled. What's, what's up, guys? And they tell him that there were these dreams, these two dreams, and Joseph recognizes right away, uh, wait a minute, I had those uh, two dreams. Um, and then he tells them, do not interpretations belong to God? He understands God is working in this somehow. God is doing something. And he wants to hear the dreams as well. Let, let's, let me help you out and, and kind of what's unsaid there. And you help me out because uh, I want to hear what these dreams are. And so they, they say the dreams. Well, the cupbearer's dream in verses 9 through 11 are pretty good. Uh, he's, uh, he's giving basically filling Pharaoh's cup and giving it to him, making a drink, serving it. And if you'll notice, the, there's a, this theme, theme of threes that kind of dominate. Uh, there were three branches in verse 10. There's three stages of growth, uh, if you notice that, that, that they budded and then they blossomed and they ripened. And that there were three actions taking. He took, he pressed, he placed. There's this idea of three throughout. And uh, so Joseph picks up on that and he said, well, here's what's going to happen. In three days, you're going to get your job back. And this is all good. Three days, you're going to get your job back. But then Joseph says something that we can often just glide past, but I want us to note what Joseph does in verses 14 and 15. He makes this statement of faith, almost. When this happens, remember me. Mention me. Get me out of this house. Joseph has this faith that God is really doing something. He didn't just say the dream and kind of said, okay, next. But he understands God is doing something and he's got complete faith that, that this is going to happen. And then he mentions, I was, I was stolen uh, from my land, which, which is weird uh, because his brothers had, had sold him into slavery but what he's acknowledging here is, my brothers, they've actually stolen my freedom. I shouldn't even be in this land. And even though I was here, I didn't do anything wrong uh, to be in prison. I certainly should not be here. My freedom's been stolen from me. Remember me. Mention me. So uh, he has that first dream interpreted. 
gives his, his statement, this is going to happen, and I really want you to remember me when it does. And then the baker, who is standing right there in verses 16 through 19, he's thinking, well, this is pretty good. That was a great interpretation, and I got a lot of the same thing. I have three of something, and I have food, and it's for the Pharaoh, so this is going to end up well for me too. So he tells Joseph his dream, uh, but this one doesn't bode quite so well. Uh, Joseph hears the dream and the birds taking the food, and uh, he starts interpreting in the same way he started with the cupbearer. Oh, yeah, your head will be lifted up too. Uh, from you? <laughs> you know, it's, uh, you're going to be hanged. And what's interesting about this, in verse 18, it says that uh, he answered and said... And notice, that's not how it's written when he answered the, the cupbearer, but he answered and said, in the Hebrew, it suggests a pretty brisk reply. As though he kind of said it and, you know, where do you go from there? Yeah, uh, you're going to be hanged. And Look at the time. You know, you, where do you go from there? He, he, didn't, he doesn't say anything else. That's just what's going to happen. No more need be said. And so, uh, three days later, we see in verses 20 through 23, uh, there's the fulfillment of the dreams. The cupbearer is restored to his job. The baker is indeed hanged. However, as I noted earlier, uh, Joseph's going to be forgotten. And we read in chapter 41, the very first verse, that it's going to be two years, two more years, that Joseph is going to stay in prison before the cupbearer remembers him. And so I want us to look this morning as, as we get ready for the Lord's Supper. And I just want us to, to, to remember, all right, there's these, these two dreams, and they do look forward to uh, Pharaoh's two dreams, but also it looks backwards to Joseph's two dreams that that if you remember those, they are forecasting Joseph's ascendancy, if you will. He is going to, his, his family is going to come and bow down before him. It's, it's an affirmation that the Lord is with Joseph and the Lord is doing something great. And for those of us who grew up in, in the church, and, and as I've mentioned throughout this story, I'm, I'm not trying to hide anything that's coming up. We, a lot of us know what happens. Joseph is going to save a great many people because uh, what's going to happen is, is he is going to have to come up with a plan. There will be a period of time of, of great harvest followed by a period of famine. And unless something is done, many people will not make it through the famine. They will die but here, Joseph's interaction with the cupbearer is going to put him in contact with Pharaoh. It's going to be a couple more years yet, but, but he will be put in contact with Pharaoh, and he's going to interpret Pharaoh's dreams, and he is going to save a whole bunch of people because of his action. And as I mentioned, I just want to look back, take a couple steps back and see the big picture of what is happening uh, 
especially in light of, of the Lord's Supper this morning. Because we can look back uh, to Genesis chapter 12. And what we have here is, is in Genesis chapter 12, God promised Abraham that, and I quote, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now Joseph is a descendant of Abraham. At that point, when that was said to Abraham, he was an old man without any children. How is this going to happen? But now we have Joseph, one of his descendants, and he is going to bless a whole bunch of people. In the Middle East, he's going to save them. They would have died if Joseph hadn't taken some action. But even that is just a partial, just a partial fulfillment of what God was telling Abraham at that point. because we can look even further ahead and we can see the bigger fulfillment. Here we see in this story, we have the suffering of one righteous man who proves to be the source of, of, of blessing to keep many alive, but later on will come Christ. The true completely righteous man who is going to suffer and he's going to give eternal life. He is the bread of life, the true fulfillment. And so as we look at this chapter this morning, there are some themes that we'll pick up later on in, in coming weeks, but I just want us to see what God is doing and there's this long period of time in which God is working. But he's made this promise to Abraham. In you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And we can look all the way ahead to Christ. And think of our blessings in Christ. The one righteous man who suffered for us suffered on a cross to die for our sins that we may have eternal life. And when we look at Joseph and his response to God's promise, what God is saying, just his statement of faith, remember me, what God is saying is going to happen, so remember me. And this morning we have our chance to make our statement of faith God, we believe what you've said about Christ. We believe what Christ has said about coming again. And so we take this opportunity to make our statement of faith, our trust in God, our knowing that God will remember us through Christ. And we'll do that when we take the Lord's Supper. But first, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your promises. We thank you that you are true to your promises, that Christ, the one righteous man, suffered to save us that he died on a cross that we can be forgiven, 
that he lived a perfectly righteous life that he gives to us that we may be presented before you as righteous. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for that. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And if our elders